to episode 47 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined in virtual studio by my good friend, my colleague, my longtime uh, travel colleague, and the man who is a conscientious objector to No Shave November, John Sloat. I suppose I am objecting by shaving. Yeah. But I, I didn't intend to, but... Did you ever participate in a no-shave November? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When I was an RD, I, I think uh, it's it's part of the territory. When you live in the dorm, I think you have to participate. Um, we also used to have, uh, when, uh, when Grace would play Bethel, we would not, the guys in the dorm, we did this a couple of years, would not shave from January 1st till Grace played Bethel. And then we'd all shave nasty pilot mustaches for the game <laughs> against Bethel um, because they're the Bethel pilots. And then we'd go to the game with our ridiculous looking mustaches. Yes. Well, that was a fun as, tradition. Yeah. As a, as a side note, the Grace College men's soccer team defeated Bethel College in the championship game of the NCCAA national tournament this past weekend. So I saw that. That was very exciting. Congrats to our men's soccer team on winning that national championship. Yeah. And I believe volleyball also won their national championship or is still playing for it. Uh, that I don't know. I don't know that we won it. Are we still, that tournament might still be going on. I know our, I know our women's soccer team Got made it up. to the finals and lost a heartbreaker in, uh, I think it was two overtimes. Yeah. Hmm. So John, here we are, uh, in this few days before Thanksgiving, and yet that's not going to stop us from reminding our listeners that they can reach out to us on social media. They can contact us on Twitter at V and S pod. They can email the show various and sundry podcast at gmail.com. They can connect with us on Facebook with our Facebook page, various and sundry podcast. And of course, if you'd really like to uh, participate in the holiday spirit and do something kind and generous for us, you can go on to the Apple podcast app and leave us a five-star rating and even a nice little review. Though, if you're going to leave us a review, we are grateful for the one review we've had in the last week. Uh, it seemed like a pretty cryptic uh, inside joke that you didn't didn't know you were a part of, right, John? It seemed targeted at me uh, based on the hashtag and, and some other things. And it could just be a student who is quoting something I said in class. Oftentimes, I'll have students that'll say, John, you said this. I have no memory of saying that, but okay. Um, I actually had a, a former student do the same thing with me this past weekend, saying that he remembered me popping my head into Dr. Ratza's class, and they were talking about triune immersion. This would have been, you know, five, six years ago from this student. And he said, I remember you saying, I have no problem with triune immersion. It's like, and, and apparently I said, I mean, I triple dunk my nachos. So why not? I don't remember saying that, though. I. I think it sounds consistent with something I'd say. So, you know, I, I had a moment this week where I was grading a paper and the student quoted me. Um, however, I don't remember saying exactly what they wrote. It sounded like, you know, it could have said something similar, but they quoted me exactly word for word in quotation marks. Have you ever come across that before where students are, are quoting you in a paper that you were intended to read? Yes. Do they misquote you? 
Uh, it's happened. Yeah. Well, that's not plagiarism. What is that? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not plagiarism. It's just a mistaken quote. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a specific name for that, but. Do you take points off for that? I was, I was just sort of befuddled. I didn't know what to do. Nah. I put it out on Twitter. So that's, that's what I ended up deciding to do. There you go. There you go. Well, as we are the uh, recording on the Monday before Thanksgiving, we need to talk a little bit about uh, the previous weekend in sports. Let's start briefly with the NFL. John, are the Jets any good yet? Um, well, no. <laughs> uh, I give it another two years before they're good, um, hopefully. But uh, they almost screwed it up this week. They played uh, the Chargers, and the Chargers have been known this year for fourth quarter collapses. Uh, and so uh, the Jets almost came back and won, which would have been terrible, but they still lost. Um, so it kept our, uh, we're now 0-10, which uh, has a lovely ring to it. Um, and means that uh, Trevor Lawrence is probably coming our way. Uh, if he's willing to play for your beloved Jets. If he's, if he's willing to play. I mean, I think we have an up and coming left tackle. We have as, as much cap space as anybody in the NFL. And, uh, and we have an unseemly amount of draft picks. So, I mean, I mean, all of those things are pointing up. Sure. I'd rather be us. I'd rather come to the jets than I would say the Falcons. Uh, maybe. I mean, again, there's the, there's the ownership slash, um, you know, management slash coaching situation that is uh, a bit troubling there in, in, in New York. Whereas, at least the Falcons have demonstrated they are capable of fielding a competitive team in the last, you know, five years or so. Yeah, but they uh, they have a worse owner than we do. Arthur Blank is is no uh, a model owner. Um, he's like Jerry Jones Jr. Uh, without as much money. And then uh, and then their their coach Dan Quinn's on the way out, and I, I don't know where they're going in the future. So I. I think I'd rather be where the Jets are at than where the Falcons are. Okay, fair enough. Uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, the Steelers are still unbeaten. They pounded the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, big surprise there. Yes, though um, that's good news for you since uh, – well, actually, that's bad news for you. You, you would have hoped that they would have uh, you know, risen up and upset the Steelers since the Jaguars have one win. And so they're your most uh, significant competition for the number one draft pick. Yeah, yeah. So would have appreciated it, didn't expect it. And then uh, and then the, the final news is Joe Burrow blew out of his knee, sadly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Cincinnati offensive line is poor. And so it, was, it felt like in some ways perhaps only a matter of time. Uh, but uh, yeah, blew up his ACL. And uh, one thing that was kind of cool, though, was the fact that so he did that playing against Washington, uh, the Washington football team, I should say. And uh, there are uh, several Buckeyes on that Washington football team. And so when Joe Burrow, a former Buckeye, he, of course, transferred to LSU because he lost the starting quarterback job at Ohio State. Um, when, when Joe Burrow went down, uh, Chase Young – Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaurin, all former teammates at Ohio state came out to the cart and, you know, tried to encourage him and, and that sort of thing. So fun to see, fun to see that, but uh, yeah, just 
just devastating to see him blow up his knee like that. He was having a really, really strong rookie year. And uh, you just hope that he's able to rehab that and get back uh, next year. Who knows how long that rehab takes. If it's, it's just the ACL, isn't it? Is that what you I believe? It's just the ACL. That's all I've heard. And some guys come back from it really easily and others don't. Yeah. Though I think it, I think it, as long as you're not a player whose game is built on explosiveness, it's probably not as big a deal. And Joe Burrow is not making his money. He's not Lamar Jackson where you're like, oh my gosh, you can't even tackle him in the open field kind of thing. Like he he's a pocket passer. So I think that probably matters a little less in terms of the long-term effects other than maybe it being susceptible to tearing again if he gets hit. Sure, sure. Um, I'm reminded of Carson Palmer, uh, something uh, similar happening to him where he, uh, tore his knee for the Bengals. Uh, I, now, I think he was ACL, PCL, MCL, but um, that changed his career. I mean, he was great in that season, but it uh, it all went haywire for him when he did that. Yeah. So let's get to college football, since um, that's probably where the more significant thing uh, things happened in some ways this weekend. So Ohio State survived a uh, an impressive effort from IU. And so you actually watched parts of that game. Yeah, this is both the first OSU game and IU game I've watched this year. So, um, yeah, um, some some general thoughts. Uh, OSU came out the gate and played, scored a touchdown, I think, on like four plays. Um, uh, and so I, I think it was two, actually. Two, it was two, two to, plays. To their stud receiver, Garrett Wilson, who will be – no doubt a first round NFL draft pick when he comes out after next year. Okay. Um, so uh, I thought they were going to run away with the game, but IU give them credit. They, they hung in there. They adjusted. They played really well. Uh, that wide receiver was really, really good. Um, I, th- I thought um, in the third quarter, I thought IU was going to make a comeback until their quarterback threw that pick six. And I think that was the, the dagger. Yeah. Um, so much that I could say about this game. Um, I, I think that um, IU was probably a little better than I thought they'd be. And um, I think that uh, Ohio state played pretty poorly in several respects and still was able to win. Um, I, I will say that. And again, I, I don't want to be this guy, but there were at least two obvious missed calls that could have turned the game into the blowout that it could have been. Hmm. One of them was a, a play that should have been reviewed that wasn't, that was ruled as an incomplete pass, but was actually a fumble that would have given Ohio State the ball inside the IU 20-yard line, up 7 nothing already, and a chance to you know, really stick it to them. The other was late in the game when Ohio state was up seven and instead of kicking a field goal with fourth and one at like the, at the IU, like five yard line, uh, you might've stopped watching by this point, but Mm -hmm. um, uh, Ryan day, the coach decided to go for it. And they ran this play that, you know, you can debate whether it was a great play call or not, but there could, there was a obvious targeting that should have been called on IU that would have given Ohio state the first down. 
and it was missed and therefore uh, kept IU alive a little bit longer. But having said all of that, um, Ohio State's got a major issue with their secondary. They gave up 491 yards through the air. And um, they are going to have to make some adjustments because they don't have the same kind of talent they've had in the past few years. Uh, They like to play a lot of press man coverage. And they just don't have the horses they've had in the past few years with their corners to do that. Nor do they have the dominant defensive end like Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa to, to be able to pressure the quarterback. So they're going to have to make some adjustments hmm. on the other side of the, uh, well, in the rest of the big 10, uh, congratulations to the team up North on a, on a huge, huge program defining win beating the legendary football program known as Rutgers in triple overtime. So, so props to them for that massive win. Um, big shout out to them. Um, Matt, I just got uh, breaking news on my phone. Uh, bum, 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 bum. Yeah, um, this is this this is sad news. Um, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, who have a big game Thursday, so Thanksgiving Day, uh, shuts down the facility with multiple positive COVID tests, uh, putting in jeopardy uh, the Thursday night game against the Steelers ruining Thanksgiving as we know it <laughs> potentially just Not feels a- like par for the course for 2020. Doesn't it? Yeah. I was actually texting my dad, I think a week ago, um, just going like, Hey, this looks like a good game. You know, we'll, we'll be able to watch. This will be good. And sounds like it's done. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Who knows? Um, Northwestern upsets Wisconsin to take the, uh, to take charge of the, of the big 10 West. They are, they moved up to number 11 in the country. Uh, I, I don't know if they're that good, but we'll see, I guess. Hmm. And there were a couple of weird COVID cancellations uh, over the weekend. Uh, Florida state and Clemson got canceled uh, morning of because their medical staffs couldn't just couldn't agree on. Apparently there was one Clemson player that tested positive and uh, the Florida state folks were freaked out about, um, you know, containment and that sort of stuff. So, and there was another one, I can't remember the teams involved, but there was a player, (laughs) this was bizarre. Did you hear about this? A player, his girlfriend tested positive for COVID the morning of the game. So they rushed this player to get a test to make sure that he wasn't positive. And they actually, I think, delayed the game for, yes, for this one player to go get, (laughs) it was so bizarre. But, Anyway, such such is such is the COVID life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most of those cancellations seem to go across the South, which is interesting because it feels like most of the spike right now is in the is in the Midwest, really throughout the country, but but really focused in the Midwest. Yeah. And then uh, we should probably wrap up with a little bit of NBA free agency talk, right? <sighs> sure. I mean, tell us about your Knicks, there, John. Uh, what's uh, the future should- look like? Well, we signed uh, two NBA superstars, Austin Rivers <laughs> and Nerlis Noel, uh, to, uh, to to major major superstar contracts. So okay, they're going to be around with. Uh, now, I am excited about um, the guy that got in the draft, Obi uh, Obi Toppin. Yeah, uh, 
from uh, from Dayton. So I'm excited about him, but I feel bad for the kid that he's uh, stuck with terrible ownership and in a franchise that feels like it's directionless. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, and the Lakers uh, are looking to build on their championship team. They signed Montrez Harrell from the Clippers and they added Dennis Schroeder as well. They lost Rajon Rondo and uh, they got rid of JaVale McGee. Oh, and I think they're poised. I don't know if they've officially done it, but they're poised to sign Mark Gasol. Did you see this? I believe they did sign him. Okay. I, I believe they did sign him. I think I saw that on ESPN. Yeah. Goodness. That'll give him another another big man. Now I think Mark's passed with prime, but uh, but I think uh, I think it's still contribute in meaningful ways. Yeah, the uh, the Lakers also uh, did not re-sign Dwight Howard, so um, getting Gasol is a nice big man piece, and he's a shooter. He can shoot the three. He's not not an elite shooter, but he can stretch the floor for you a little bit. But uh, so. Since it is the uh, week before Thanksgiving here, a week of Thanksgiving, I should say, we thought that we would tackle uh, the topic today of gratitude. And of course, when you get around Thanksgiving, uh, it makes sense that you talk about uh, gratitude. And um, yet, I I think that this is a topic that I'm not sure that we always... Uh, give it enough weight when we think about it in in biblical terms. Mm -hmm. So, um, John, I thought it might be a a good idea for us before we take some time, and we'll we'll take a good bit of time to talk about things that you and I are specifically thankful for. Um, Why don't we just start with a little bit of, of why this topic matters? Why do you think it's important? Well, I, I think it's important all the time. And I think, I think one of the points you're making right now is that uh, we tend to talk about this around the holiday of Thanksgiving, and we tend to neglect it, I think, throughout the rest of the year. Um, we, uh, we often uh, aren't thankful, um, or intentionally thankful, I should say, uh, throughout the rest of the year. Um, however, it's, it's you know, a, a regular command um, of, uh, of scripture to, to be thankful for the things that have been given to us or, um, have come upon us. So, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's part of the reason it's, it's, uh, an important topic. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think that, um, of course it's helpful to have a tangible holiday like Thanksgiving to prompt us to be, um, intentional about expressing gratitude and being, being thankful. And yet I know for me, this whole area of gratitude is something that I don't think I really fully understood the importance of gratitude for a long time until uh, probably until uh, not terribly recently, but recently enough that uh, it was when I was reading through the book of Romans. And, you know, it's one of those things where you read scripture and you've read something dozens of times, but for whatever reason, you just didn't, it just didn't click for you or it didn't catch your eye. And reading through Romans and coming across this section here in Romans chapter one, verses uh, 21 through 23 was really striking to me. So Paul is talking about human 
rebellion against God. And he says this, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Hmm. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And so I don't know why I'd never put this together, but it, it seems like at least part of what Paul is saying in that text is that lack of gratitude is pretty close to the center and the core of human rebellion against God, that a lack of gratitude was, was in the mix when it came mm -hmm. to Adam and Eve's rebellion in the garden. And I've, you know, I've thought about their rebellion as idolatry, as, um, you know, as rebellion, as breaking the covenant and, and those sorts of things. But for whatever reason, that, that sense of lacking gratitude, of, of grasping after something they didn't have, rather than being grateful for what they did have, played a pretty significant dynamic in their rebellion against God. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that's a good point. I think it's something that we need to talk more about that that um, it seems core to the to the Christian life is uh, this idea that what comes to us is not our own. You know, you know, um, we we may have had the ability to work and, and get something, but ultimately that ability comes from God, um, and that we need to be thankful for the things that we do have. That that seems to be core, and and I think you're right that that the garden, the image, really seems to be of. Uh, people who are not grateful for what they do have, but just really zero in on focus on what they don't um, and are grumbling and complaining about it. Yeah. And when you, when you start to trace that theme, even of grumbling through scripture, you know, I think that it, it it's one of those things where you notice it most clearly in Israel's um, wandering in the wilderness you know, obviously there are multiple points where they grumble against God and against his uh, rulers, uh, you know, Moses and the elders and that sort of thing. And um, it's it's striking to me that when um, you, you see this also picked up in the New Testament as well, and in particular, and uh, this, this is near and dear to my heart because uh, of working in Philippians for years, but... You know, in Philippians 2.14, uh, after Paul has talked about uh, the call to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, God is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. And it can kind of seem like this random, why pick that? Why of all potential sins do you pick that one? And I think that part of it is, is that he's picking up that tradition of Israel's grumbling in the wilderness and saying, uh, don't follow Israel's example of after being redeemed from their slavery in Egypt, uh, of engaging in grumbling and, uh, and, and basically saying, uh, because you have God's spirit inside of you, you're capable of overcoming the natural human tendency to grumble and to complain. 
Yeah, yeah, I actually turned to that passage as well and was gonna was gonna bring it up that that it seems that uh, uh, grumbling and complaining isn't just something that happened for Israel, but it's something that is that is well a part of the church as well. Yeah, and I think that in a year like this, you know, it is especially easy to lose sight of the importance of gratitude and um, and to quite frankly indulge in complaining. I mean, there's plenty to complain about. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's it's not for lack of content in terms of of of, of grumbling, but it's uh, it, it, this is an opportunity, I think, for us to to be reminded that even in the midst of difficult circumstances, I mean, uh, you're you're going to be hard pressed to find anyone who's like, man, 2020 was just the best year for us, man. It's just like awesome for us. Like you're going to be really hard pressed to find somebody who, who thinks this was maybe the, the greatest year ever kind of thing. Um, I was once at a conference and uh, CJ Mahaney, and I'm going to get the quote wrong, but uh, the sense of it was he was preaching on this passage in Philippians two. And he mentions the, the mark of spiritual maturity is not an ability to point out things that are wrong with your church, but to point out things that are right with your church um, and to, to be able to uh, to point out things that you're grateful for in the midst, um, not not things to complain about, which it feels like the opposite of true is true at the moment. You know, we, we find a lot of things to point out that we're frustrated with about church. Less common is the person who's able to point out things that they're um, excited about or grateful for in a church. Absolutely, absolutely. So, in order for us to actually practice what we are preaching here, so to speak. Um, Let's start with um, just let's talk about some things that you and I are grateful for. So, uh, you know, this is in no necessarily specific order. So, um, but, but John, why don't you get us started off with just telling us one thing that you're grateful for and maybe why you're grateful for it? Yeah, yeah. So at the top of my list uh, is my new wife, Andrea. So uh, we got married this year. And so we're, uh, very, th- I'm very thankful for her and just the way this, that she encourages me and pushes me and partners with me in life. So that that's first and foremost what I'm grateful for this year. Yeah, yeah, that's a big one. That's that's uh, that's a been, major category. <laughs> it is, it is, and it's been fun to um, it's been fun to see your guys' relationship develop and then uh, culminate in in marriage and. So, um, it's, the that's been a delight to watch. Um, uh, for me, uh, I'm going to start with, um, my redemption. The fact that God has rescued me from my slavery to sin. And, um, the fact that I could do nothing to, uh, to rescue myself from my sin, I was deserving of his judgment and his wrath. And, um, and despite my active rebellion against God, he saved me and has given the ultimate gift he could give to me, which is himself. And so I'm grateful uh, just for the fact that he didn't leave me to my own sinfulness and my own desires, but uh, got a hold of my heart and my mind and my life and turned me from uh, my pursuit of destruction 
and um, brought me out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. So I'll, I'll start, I'll start with that one. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty major category again, uh, that we should all be thankful for. Yeah. Um, now that did not make my list. Um, <laughs> but that doesn't mean I'm not thankful for it. Um, Understood. But uh, um, on a, on a smaller scale, uh, let's say, uh, this year has really made me thankful that, that we have technology uh, around us, like Zoom. Um, it, it, would, it would be an odd year if we weren't able, it would be a tremendously odd year if we didn't have the technology around us that enabled us to do the work that we do, um, interact with friends and family um, around the country uh, without it. Um, so very, very thankful for uh, technology, partic- particularly the, the platform that we're on right now, Zoom. Um, I've been able to play games uh, through Zoom. Um, uh, I've played Jackbox with my family before um, over Zoom. So everybody's gathering around their computers and logging into Zoom and we're able to uh, play Jackbox games through Zoom. So that's been, that's been um, a good source of cohesion and uh, in relationship in the midst of, and, and through other ways, a small group we've done through Zoom as well. And um yeah, just just really thankful that we have the technology available to us to be able to do some of those things. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Um, I, I'm going to stick with the with the spiritual end on this one. I, I will I will move beyond it. Um, but uh, my next one is the Bible, and I, I think that this is something that I, I, I'm so grateful from really from the from the starting point of my conversion as a 13-year-old boy, um, God gave me a love for the Bible. And that's been such a key part of my life uh, from that point uh, to now. And just the fact that we have so many tools available to dig into Scripture, to understand it, to, uh, to apply it, to communicate it, and uh, just the fact that God has even put me in a position where I get the privilege of teaching people the Bible, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's through writing uh, or other contexts, I, I just am so grateful that God would choose to speak and inspire uh, human authors to write down what he said and what he wanted them to write, and that we have such easy access to physical copies of scripture to, to such a degree that people in the early church or even, even before the advent of the printing press would have never even conceived of having such easy, ready access to the Bible. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. We, we talk about that in church history a lot, you know, how, how the printing press was a major mover of the reformation and, uh, and getting getting the Bible into people's hands. So, so a major thing. Um, yeah, my, my next one, I have, uh, the church. Um, and what I'm, what I mean by this is just, I think the ability to gather, um, it was taken from us for a season. And so I think that just heightens, uh, my awareness of how much I enjoy gathering on Sunday mornings, being able to sing, uh, being able to hear, uh, God's word preached. Um, those, those things I think, I think became more precious to me this year, um, in the midst of, uh, uh, in the midst of this pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I very much agree with that. Um, here for my next one, I will, I will move over into the family realm. Um, in particular, my wife 
and my sons. Um, I, I don't think uh, pretty much anybody who who knows me uh, and spends much time with me uh, becomes pretty quickly aware that I'm really into my wife. And so um, that, that's pretty obvious, I think. But um, I'm so grateful for uh, we're coming up on nearly 25 years of marriage. That'll be this upcoming March. So almost a quarter century. So that's that's hard to even imagine that that uh, that, that that's happened. So just grateful um, for how God continues to draw us closer to each other, and um, just the fact that uh, that she is uh, God's greatest earthly gift. She's given me. Uh, he's given me. So uh, and my sons, you know, grateful for grateful for my boys. Um, looking forward to, to seeing them here over the holidays as well. And just the opportunities I get to, to have shared interests with them and see them growing up into, to, to young men uh, is, is a, is a great delight to me. Very nice. Very nice. Um, I'm going to escape by the fact that you called God a woman there for just a second. I corrected myself. <laughs> Let's not start any uh, heresy uh, trials here. Young, young John Scott. Come on. Yeah. We're just going to take that, that, three second of a clip and send that out um, to all inquiring parents. And there you go. Not to Grace College. Um, uh, my next thing that I'm thinking for, uh, I've enjoyed, uh, and I, I guess I'm basing this more on just this year, uh, but uh, fiction. Um, I, I've, I've enjoyed, you know, during, during lockdowns, uh, audiobooks were a regular part of the day, you know, uh, being able to listen to uh, audiobooks that I've either read before and were rereading or new uh, fiction. I've just found uh, an immense amount of joy uh, in those. So very grateful for um, fiction, authors, all those things. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll actually echo that one. Um, more broadly, I'll say just books. Um, just remarkable the the number of of good books that exist. Um, and just the opportunity to learn from others. So I enjoy fiction and actually a um, uh, little foreshadowing. Uh, there might even be some fiction later in the show under my one thing I liked, but hmm. um, I, I, I really appreciate uh, just the fact that we have such easy access to, to books and that we can learn from, from other uh, writers and thinkers and have our minds stretched. There's just something about a book that regardless whether it's fiction or nonfiction, that stretches the imagination in a way that really no other medium can do. You know, when you think about uh, books, you know, you have to construct the sort of visuals in your mind as you're reading about, you know, a scene or something like that. But for television and movies, they, the, the people who produced that show basically did that for you. So uh, grateful for grateful for books, and uh, also grateful for the fact that God has uh, given me the opportunity to to write and uh, given me some some of those uh, chances to to contribute to that. Yeah, uh, the medium is the message, right? Yeah, the medium is the message. Um, my uh, my next thing I'm thankful for uh, friendships. Uh, I think again, I think lockdown has made me more appreciative of. Uh, the friendships that I uh, that I do have, um, whether it's uh, weird text messages from Nate in Ohio, or uh, <laughs> or whether it's uh, whether it's uh, having having friends come over to help me move dirt um, for a day. You know, I've I've just been 
aware of that this year. So very thankful for friendships. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to close my list with, uh, with sports again on the grander scheme of, of eternal matters uh, you know, sports doesn't, doesn't rank that high, but I think especially with this year and COVID and having those things uh, taken away or significantly modified, uh, obviously, for example, you know, we started with the cancellation of the NCAA basketball tournament, the March Madness, which is something that I look forward to having a, a month basically where you've got uh, great games and, and the drama associated with that. And then, um, you know, it looked like the Big Ten was not going to play any college football. And uh, although I have serious qualms with how they went about this, uh, I am grateful that we have football, college football to watch and uh, the opportunity to, to see Ohio State play and have that part of our Saturdays back. Saturdays uh, in the fall in the Harmon household tend to revolve around college football. And so it's, uh, I'm, I'm grateful that uh, we've gotten to experience that. Okay. Any doc on, on just broadly the topic of gratitude, anything you recommend uh, for us to read? Yeah. So we we'll put these in the show notes, but we've got a few articles that uh, have been done by various people uh, on the gospel coalition website. Uh, Dustin Crow wrote one oriented towards pastors. Uh, John Beeson's written an article on the dangers of grumbling and then uh, Megan Hill wrote an article on gratitude being more than just an individual project, but it's supposed to be a communal activity so that even as we uh, gather as a body of believers, uh, that should be marked by tangible expressions of gratitude as well. Okay. Um, well, Doc, you ready to move on to our athlete? Let's do it. Okay. Well, uh, how about I walk us through... Um, the first few, and then you can take over the Ohio state people. Okay. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. As this basically the same as we do every week. Um, <laughs> uh, Mel Blunt uh, was a, was a safety for the Steelers uh, in the seventies um, into the early eighties. Um, yes. was on some of those championship teams. Uh, I think all four of their Super Bowl championship teams. Yeah. Uh, Jack Morris uh, was a, was a pitcher um, for a long time. Uh, from 77 and 94. Did he pitch that long? Yeah. Yeah. Started with the Tigers, was a dominant pitcher for the Tigers, pitched also for the Twins in the World Series. Um, and uh, I believe he might have even finished his career. His last year might have been in uh, Cleveland, but hmm. uh, a dominant uh, power pitcher who was arguably one of the best pitchers in baseball in the 80s, at least. Um, and then Tom Glavin, uh, who pitched for uh, who pitched for the Braves, uh, but more importantly, pitched for the Mets. Um, Eighty-seven to two thousand eight, pitched for a long time. Uh, Three hundred wins, which uh, is getting is getting getting rarer and rarer. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, you just don't have guys that get a bunch of wins. I mean, uh, Jacob Degrom won back-to-back Cy Youngs with, I think, fewer than fifteen wins. I mean, yeah, you're just yeah. not going to have guys winning twenty games a year. Um, and then, uh, and then kind of a hybrid OSU, uh, professional player, Jerry Lucas. You want to tell us a little bit about Jerry? Yeah. So, uh, this is, this is pretty old school. So Jerry Lucas, 
was uh, an All-American performer for Ohio State on the basketball team there um, and uh, was part of their uh, great run in the late 50s, early 60s. And in his, uh, he, he set an NCAA tournament record in 1960, becoming the only player and still is the only player to record more than 30 points and more than 30 rebounds in the same game, 33 points, 30 rebounds. That's, that's, that's pretty impressive. 30 for 30. That's right. So he uh, went on to have a, a pretty decent NBA career in play and including playing with this, this relatively little known organization called the New York Knickerbockers, if I'm correct. Yeah, Is that right? Knickerbockers. Yeah. Yeah. And was part of their um, uh, championship team in 19, was that 72? I believe 72. I think the Lakers won 71. Okay. So he was a pretty key contributor to those teams um, in terms of, uh, you know, scored uh, about 20 points a game, almost 10 rebounds a game, six assists. Uh, in the in the series against the Lakers and Wil- and playing against Wilt Chamberlain in that seventy one series that they lost, but then being part of the team uh, the next year. So, also side note, after his career playing career was over, he became known for his memorization skills, which which included memorizing fifty pages of the Manhattan uh, phone book. What a which- terrible, terrible idea you know utter waste of time you would think right like find something else to memorize but in any case um that's jerry lucas and then uh for ohio state uh we've got chick harley and if you're looking at the uh, show notes there john you'll notice that he played several positions halfback punter kicker safety from 1916 to 1919 so we're going way back in the uh, in the time machine there. Yeah, that's that's leather helmet uh, era yeah. there. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Uh, more recently, AJ Hawk, linebacker from 2002 to 2005, terrific player, had a good but short NFL career. Was kind of injury uh, hampered by that. Packers was he with the Packers? Packers, yep. And then I think he finished his career with the Bengals, I believe. Oh really? But, yeah. The the Packers kind of moved on from him because of injury, so. In any case, so John, who do you want to go with here? Um, well, I, despite how partial I am to Tom Glavin, um, I think we need to go Jerry Lucas just because of how interesting he is. Yeah, he's fascinating. So I, I, I agree. And you know, when we come around to episode one forty-seven in about two years, <laughs> uh, Tom, Tom will be at the top of our list there. So. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So Jerry Lucas, it is. Uh, one thing we liked, um, and I feel like I always ask you to go first. So I, I'm going to mix it up and I'll go first, if that's okay. all right with you. That sounds good. So as I uh, foreshadowed earlier in the episode, um, my one thing I like is I have started rereading the book East of Eden by John Steinbeck. And it is a, a, a great work of fiction that is rich with biblical allusions and uh, a lot of uh, biblical motifs and themes that go on in that. And my, and my wife is reading it for the first time, 
right now as well. So she's a few chapters behind me. So it's fun to, to see her explore the story and, and, and try to piece things together, ha- not having read it before. Um, so that's my one thing I've liked this week is I, restarting I think, that. I think Karen Swallow Pryor just, just finished it for the first time. I think I saw that on her Twitter last week. Yes. And I, I tweeted back at her that she needs to write up her thoughts on it. So um, okay. we'll see if that happens. Okay. Well, you, John, uh, my one thing is uh, in the evenings, uh, Andrew and I've been looking for a new show just to click on at the end of the day. And we've settled on uh, House, uh, the television show. Yep. Um, which, of course, that character is based on Sherlock Holmes. So uh, I'm a big fan of Sherlock Holmes. Uh, so I, I love seeing the, the Sherlock Holmes illusions, like he lives on Baker Street and all, all these things. His best friend is Watson, you know, not Wilson. Or his best friend is Wilson, not Watson. You know, th- those sorts of things. Um, sure. I think the added benefit is because my wife's a pharmacist, she's like having a dialogue with the doctors as they're doing the differential. And she's just, she's just like, no, that drug's not right. Or you need to give them this drug. And then somebody chimes in with that drug that they needed. So, so that's added a new layer to it. That's been a lot of fun. That is nice. That is nice. Yes. Very good. Well, before we call mission accomplished, I, I feel like we should add one more thing that we are grateful for, and that is you, our listeners. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're getting close to finishing up our first full year of podcasting. So um, as we talk about gratitude, we're thankful for you. Thankful that you take the time to, to download, to listen, and to, uh, to check in with us occasionally, to let us know what you're thinking. And, um, you know, this, this show started as, uh, basically as an experiment, us not having really much of an idea of what it was going to look like or how it was going to work. But, uh, we're grateful that, uh, more people than our immediate family are actually listening. So, uh, thank you to our listeners. And, uh, we want to say how much we appreciate you and maybe we need to do something to express that appreciation at some point down the road here, John, figure out some tangible way to thank them. So. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Maybe. We'll see. In any case, you ready to call Mission Accomplished? I think so. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, we hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving celebration. And um, until next time, the Lord bless you all real good. Later. Later.